Well, it all began at, at Christmas two years ago when my daughter was four years old. And um, it was the first time that she'd ever asked about what it what, what did this holiday mean. And so I, I explained to her that this was a celebrating the birth of, uh, of Jesus. And she wanted to know more about that. And we went out and bought a kid's Bible and had these readings at night. She loved them, wanted to know everything about Jesus. Um, so we read a lot about his birth and about his teaching. And then one day we were driving past a, a big church and out front was an enormous crucifix. She said, who is that? And I guess I'd never really told that part of the story. <laughs> so I had to sort of, yeah, oh, well, that's that's Jesus. And I forgot to tell you the ending. Yeah, well, you know, um, he, he ran afoul of the Roman uh, government. You know, this message that he had was so radical and unnerving to the prevailing authorities of the time that they had to kill him. They, they came to the conclusion that he would have to die. That message was too troublesome. So it was about a month later after that Christmas, we'd gone through the whole, whole story of what Christmas meant. And, and it was mid-January, and her preschool uh, celebrates the same holidays as the local schools. So Martin Luther King Day was off. So I knocked off work that day, and I decided we'd play, and I'd take her out to lunch. And uh, we were sitting in there, and right on the table where we happened to plop down was the art section of the local newspaper. And their biggest life was a huge drawing by, by like a 10-year-old kid in the local schools of Martin Luther King. And uh, she said, who's that? And I said, well, as it happens, that's Martin Luther King, and he's why you're not in school today. So we're celebrating his, his birthday. This is the day we celebrate his life. And uh, she said, so who was he? And I said, well, he was, a, he was a preacher. And she looks up at me and goes, for Jesus? And I said, yeah, yeah, actually he was. But, um, but there, was, there was another thing that he was really famous for, which is that um, he had a message you know, and you're trying to say this to a four-year-old. It's very, you know, this is the first time they ever hear anything. So you're just very careful about how you phrase everything. So, so I said, you know, uh, well, yeah, he, he was a preacher and he, he had a message. And she said, what was his message? And I said, well, he said that you should treat everybody the same no matter what they look like. She thought about that for a minute. And she said, well, that's what Jesus said. And I said, yeah, I guess it is. You know, I never thought of it that way, but yeah. I and mean, that is sort of like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And uh, she thought for a minute and looked up at me and said, did they kill him too? Makes you slow down and think. Sometimes you have to put things in the context of explaining it to a four-year-old to truly understand it yourself. It's certainly a reminder of the fallenness of our world. And tragically, when people come and they share, a, present a message of love or a unity or harmony, or people like Jesus, people like Martin Luther King Jr. and many others, well, they get killed for it or they get crucified. We, we might be a few weeks removed from the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, uh, but I was thinking about our theme uh, this week, and I was like, I don't know if we should do this or not, and then I thought, you know, it's been a pretty slow week in the news. So I figured it might just be still relevant. It has been quite the year in our nation, in our world, and King's message, which is ultimately... Jesus' message, he was influenced not by his own ideals or some agenda that was out there, but by the gospel. 
He was absolutely a preacher for Jesus. And there were certain people that came along the line and were Jesus for him, were the church for him and influenced his life. And so I believe that the, the message that he brought, that Jesus brought, could not be more timely, could not be more relevant. It doesn't go out of date. It doesn't go out of style. And so ultimately, I believe that it'll probably be in style. It'll be relevant until Jesus comes back. I'm sure many of you, when you hear these themes and when you think about Dr. King and his message and this time of year, this is a very real thing for you. And so I want to make sure that you know this isn't a a Caucasian guy standing up on the stage saying this is how it's going to be and this is what you should feel and this is what you should think. This is a very sensitive thing for a lot of you because you've experienced judgment or prejudice or or, or racial discrimination in some way or, or just simply because of who you are. Diversity can look a lot of different ways, and simply because of who you are, this is a very real thing for you. And for others of you, you haven't given much thought to it recently. Things are pretty good for you. Your life has been pretty easy. You've had it made. Uh, You've been privileged in a lot of ways, as a lot of us are, and so this is something that you haven't given a lot of thought to, regardless where you're at on that spectrum. There's a message here for us. I want to challenge you to open up your heart Today, On the, the night before Dr. King was tragically killed, he, he wrote this up on the screen, and he spoke these words, and this coming after a life, obviously, uh, at least the past decade for him, filled with persecution and threats against his life, all because he stood up for justice, for harmony, for the walls uh, that divide us to come down, ultimately a message of love. And so the night before he was killed, it's crazy to think as you read that, He had no idea what was coming, but he wrote this. I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. Alluding to this Old Testament vision, you know, of Moses going up on the mountain, leading God's people from slavery to freedom. Dr. King knew his Bible. And he's saying, I get this image that I I feel like I'm kind of Moses up on the mountain. I can see this vision of where we want to go as a nation to see these walls come down and this racial harmony come back. And he says, I may not get there with you just like Moses never got to the promised land. Boy, if that wasn't prophetic, I don't know what was. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we have, as a people, we'll get to the promised land. And then... That last part, the last words ever uttered, ever written down, recorded of Martin Luther King Jr. Straight out of the book of Revelation. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Pretty powerful. This vision, really not so much, unfortunately, a reality that we know we still have so much work to do and we're repeating a lot of the same things, the same mistakes that we've made in the past. But this vision... This, this vision that kind of came off of his, what you know is his famous I have a dream speech, people living as one, a vision that is rooted, believe it or not, in scripture. The last line from the book of Revelation, a vision of what it'll be like when we have a new heaven and a new earth and all is made well again. Now, it would be very easy to look at that, and maybe some of you tend to do this from time to time. I think we all stumble into this. It would be easy to think that the king is always just taking these parts of scripture and he's making them fit his political agenda or his, his certain ideas or his belief systems. And we all tend to do that once in a while and it's important to guard against that. So how often do we say, here's my idea, here's my agenda, here's my stance on some issue or topic and I'm just gonna find different scriptures that, fit, that seem to fit that and kind of bend that around my worldview. As opposed to saying, here's God's word, here's what it says in the totality of scripture, here's a major theme, and then maybe I need to take a long, hard look at my worldview and see how it might conform to what God says in his unchanging word. Which, which one of it is for you, and yet I think with the differences here with King is that as you look at the totality of scripture, the broad themes that go across scripture that are, that are said over and over and over again, you cannot help but see a major biblical theme of harmony of reconciliation, of not just between black and white, but between people of all races, people of different cultural backgrounds, people of different socioeconomic statuses, and people of all walks of life. You cannot read the Bible and not stumble across this again and again 
and again. There are certain things that on a scale of one to 10, there may be a one or a two. And for that time period and for that certain situation, when Paul stood up and said, you know, the church in Corinth, we've got some people that are out of control and, and worship's getting out of control. And so uh, he said, I, I don't want women to, to speak in church and you got to wear a head covering. And I don't think anybody's obeying that this morning. So there's those things. And then there's things that are tens. And across scripture, you can't ignore things like this. I'll be honest, if you would have asked me uh, several years ago, particularly during my childhood, if I had any interest or any clue about diversity, I would have laughed. Looking back on that now, I, I, I grew up in Story City, and our town celebration is Scandinavian days. I am not kidding you. Within a five block radius, there are three Lutheran churches. Why? Because a long time ago, the Lutherans couldn't get along, right? And so you, the only diversity that I knew growing up was that there are German Lutherans, there are Norwegian Lutherans, and there are Swedish Lutherans. That's diversity, right? That's what I knew. And yet, as I grew up and I got exposed to more of the world around me, and certainly since being here in Des Moines, the world has come to us. And I realized, as maybe you have we have some growing up to do. We have some maturing to do. We have some softening of our heart to do if we're going to be in line with God's heart. And so what we're going to do this morning just to start out is we're going to take a jet tour of the entire Bible and we're going to go through every passage that has something to do with harmony or unity and we'll be here till about 9 o'clock tonight. So you ready? I'll boil, some of you, will be, I'm going to boil it down to the top 10. I'm going to boil it down to just a few as we're going to take a jet tour through this and, 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 and not be here all night, but we're just going to take a, a glimpse at the totality of this theme that's throughout Scripture. We start in, in Colossians chapter 3. Let's read this nice and loud together. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Everybody say, it doesn't matter. matter. No, I don't believe you. Say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. Thank you. Wow, we got some spirit in the room today, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, Jews and Gentiles, and some of you are looking at that and saying, oh, what's that all about? I don't know anything about that. Jews and Gentiles was quite possibly the biggest divide in Jesus's Day. Back in biblical times, Jews and Gentiles had these deep prejudices against each other. So it's really too bad that Scripture is not relevant at all for us in our modern times here. That these two sides were just going back and forth each other, and they just thought the other side was, was the worst people in the world, that they were just the scum of the earth. And, and, and we had disagreements with each other and how we lived, and one was pure and one was not pure, and they went back and forth. I mean, this was a deep divide. This is, this is deeper than, like, hawks and cyclones. This is deeper than packers and bears. I know it's hard to imagine if you're football fans, but this was deeper than that, so much so that... Jesus died for love of people on both sides. That a part of what got him killed is that he hung out with people that the other side didn't want him to hang out with and loved people that everybody else was thought was unlovable. The world's really good at that. The world's really good at drawing up lines and say Jews over here and, and Gentiles over here and, and, and Jews being from this, the, the nation of Israel and, and all of us as everybody else is Gentiles and you're over here or, or, or blacks over here and whites over here and, and Asians over here and people that don't look like you over here and from different walks of life and the world's really good at drawing up lines and Jesus came and just kind of crossed lines that never should have been there anyway. And that was a big part of his ministry. So it's good to stop and consider sometimes as we dig into this, how did you come to see the world as you do? These things that the that, that Jews and, and Gentiles had learned, that the Jews and, and Samaritans and, and things like that, you know that's why the story of the Good Samaritan is so powerful. Jews hated Samaritans. And yet who's the star of that story? A Samaritan. Jesus is just like sticking it to him. And just raising up all these things in them. And somewhere along the line, they learned that. How did you come to have the beliefs that you do about different races and different cultures and people that are different than you? How did you come to find the worldview that you, you do know that nobody is born with prejudice? 
Something, some experience, or someone taught that to you. But when it comes to how you see people, who gets to be Lord for you on that? You know, we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. We really love the Savior part, not so much the Lord part, because that's where we have to give up control. So who gets to be Lord for you on that? Who gets to call the shots for you on that? Is it what's popular? Is it what a certain political party says that is of this world? Is it what a certain blog post is or somebody wrote on their timeline on Facebook and, and you read, oh yeah, I go along with it. Is that all the deeper it goes for you? Or have you done the hard work of going back to God's word and to God's heart and saying, what are the broad major themes here? What breaks God's heart? What does he care about? How, how do you come to believe what you do? Be careful about what you substitute for God's word and wrestle with it and have conversations with it. That's just the first verse. we got a long ways to go. Just as an infomercial would say, turn to your neighbor right now and say, but there's more. Tell them that right now. There's more, right? There's more. Go to the next slide, Galatians 3. Everybody clear, clear your throat for a second. <clears throat> You're going to need that. Here we go. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. We are all what? One in Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide. Go to the next one. Ephesians chapter 2. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Praise God. Go to the next one. Let's keep moving. James chapter 2. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. We can make things say what we want them to say. And then there's verses, I love James. He just like comes straight, like I'm not going to beat around the bush at all, right? It's James chapter 2. Go ahead and go to the next one. For there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and that person that you're sitting next to that you maybe can't stand. Not like right now, I'm just saying like in life, right? Some of you are, yeah, they are kind of annoying. Uh, that person, that, the them in your life, we all have us and thems, that person, that people group that you can't stand, that you love to hate, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in them, which means you're brothers and sisters, we're family. One spirit in all and living through all. Go ahead and go to the next one. Let's keep going. Let's read it together. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism, Peter writes in the book of Acts. No favoritism. God's crazy about all his kids, just as any good and loving parent. Go ahead and go to the next one. John 17. This is Jesus. This is Jesus's Garden of Gethsemane moment, just as the, verse I sh the, the, the passage I showed you at the beginning that, that Martin Luther King spoke that quote on the night before he died, this is the night that Jesus is taken away to get crucified. This is his I have a dream moment. And what's Jesus' dream for us? Let's read it nice and loud. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. That's Jesus' heart for you. Last one. Colossians chapter 3, we'll end on this one. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Harmony. Now there's a beautiful word. It's not that we all sing the same note here. Don't get me wrong. The beauty of harmony, at least when it comes to music, as we've heard up here today with the worship team, is all the notes are different. Somebody's singing the melody up here, you do know that, and then one of the other singers is singing the harmony, and when you put those two different things together, they don't give up their distinctiveness for the sake of unity. If they were all singing and playing the same thing, that would be a boring worship set. But they're all playing something different. Harmony works well when they're paired with the right note that's different than them. It makes some beautiful music. And the band is better together, and we are better together. Say, better together. better together. That's one of our mantras as a church, and we believe it. It's not just a statement. We actually believe it. We're better together because we're different, because of the harmony that we have, not in spite of our diversity, but in our diversity. We love that. In fact, one of the things I love about our church at Hope, and especially here at Hope Des Moines, is our diversity in a variety of ways, not just racially, but in a variety of ways. And boy, do we have a long ways to go? Absolutely. Do we have a lot of work to do? Absolutely, and we're working on that. But you would be surprised at how different you are. 
at all of our services. You, you get to see one a weekend. I get to look at all of you. You're good-looking people, but you're very, very different in a lot of different ways, not just on the outside, but on the inside, in your preferences, in, in your walks of life, and whether you're from the, the city or from the suburbs, and your cultural backgrounds, and your church backgrounds, and where you live, and your hobbies, and even how you worship. Have you noticed this? Have you looked around during worship? There's some strange people around here. Especially for a Lutheran church, there's people that are like raising their hands and move. Some of you purposely sit in the aisles because you know by the middle of the first song, you're going to be dancing in the aisles, right? So there's those people that are, that are going crazy and all that. And then there's the rest of you that are looking at them going, what is wrong with these people, right? You're the kind of people that if your leg, if your knee or your toe starts to tap during worship, you kind of catch yourself. Wait a minute, I'm Lutheran. You can't do that, right? This may not be Lutheran, but it's biblical, because here's the thing, God doesn't care so much about what's going on out here, he cares about what's going on in here, amen? You're all different, and you worship in a variety of ways, and yet, it's just as I said about conforming your worldview to what you think it should be, or what, to what scripture says, I want to challenge you a little bit, and even in our diversity of how we worship, I want to challenge you to open up your heart and your mind to, where did you learn how to worship? Where did you learn that this was the proper way to worship? If that's what you do, that's awesome, but I just want to challenge you a little bit and say, open up your heart and think about the fears and the insecurities that you need to work through and realize that you are worshiping for an audience of one. And just because you were taught that doesn't mean it's authentic to what the Spirit of God is doing inside of you now as an adult, following him and taking ownership of your spiritual journey. I want to challenge the way that you worship, to have it be authentic to what God's doing inside of you, not just what everybody else is doing or what you think is proper. It's not just a, thank you, uh, it's not just a private thing. Faith is very personal, is never meant to be private. And yet we care so much about what everybody else thinks instead of the one that created us. We're different, we're better together. You may not know this, uh, a few weeks ago after one of the services, I had a lady come up and, uh, and she came up and she looked kind of serious and she said, Pastor John, can I tell you something about the music here? And I said, oh no, here we go. It's too loud. It's devil music. It's too loud, right? No. And she said, there are some songs that I can't stand. There is some styles of music and some things we do here that are beyond my preferences. And I'm like, oh, geez. And then it totally shifted, and she said, but I look around, and I see people that are completely different from me. I see people in different um, generations than me, and people are connecting with it. And people that I would never expect to see in a church are on fire for Jesus. And they're connecting with it and they're being reached. And she said, so I just want you to know, I'm all in. Yeah. And, uh, and I just about like turned in my badge and retired right then. I mean, like, that's it. Like, that's one of those moments, like, that's a picture of harmony. Not all trying to be the same, not all agreeing on the same thing, not all being on the same side of the aisle, but unity in our mission in terms of what we're about, of people connecting with the love of Jesus Christ and it changing and transforming their life from the inside out. We major in the majors and we minor in the minors. We're not asking you to all be the same. We're asking you to be exactly who God created you to be and to find your note so we can experience a sweeter and sweeter harmony. We're united in the mission. We're all very, very different, but we're all passionate. I, that's what I love about you. That's what I love about you. You're welcome. You, you, you're, you're passionate about Jesus, and it impacts how we live, and it defines us as a church. Now, hold on your horses for a second. Some of you are thinking, wow, John, I've never heard this before. You're really pumping this diversity thing, right? We're going to be a diverse church. Like, put, a, put it on the outside of the church. Make a banner, right? Our number one goal is diversity. It's not. It's never been, and I hate to burst your bubble on that. Our number one role is to be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. And because we follow him... And because we're called, our mission, that's first and foremost, our priority, calls us to do what? To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've noticed, when we do that, we're going to encounter people that are weird. We're going to encounter people that are different than you are. We're going to encounter, well, 
have you noticed the world has come to us? Have you noticed that Des Moines is more and more diverse? And so it's not so much that the goal, we don't worship diversity. We worship Jesus. And because we're following him and because we're reaching out to the world around us and the world has come to us, we're going to be a diverse church. We're going to look very different and we're going to find harmony in and amongst that. The same thing is our, 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 we don't worship our food drive. We worship Jesus. And because we follow Jesus and want to model our lives after him, the next two weeks we're going to stock every food pantry in central Iowa as a church. We're going to clothe the naked. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to, we're going to help people that are lost and, and broken and, and, and hurting or afraid and people with addictions. And we're going to stand up for the vulnerable and, and issues of justice. Why? Not because we worship charity. Not because we're standing and worshiping some political agenda or because, because it's we worship Jesus. And we want to be faithful to how he lived. Which means even in our disagreements and when we experience times like we're in right now, We do so with love. We're not just random people that are out there spouting out messages of love. It's rooted in Jesus Christ. And most importantly, we do not ever, as followers of Jesus, buy into the lie that disagreeing with somebody means we have to hate them. That destroys harmony. We don't have to all have to agree. But the quickest way the quickest way to lose somebody is to hate them, to burn a bridge. So hear me say this, stand up for your convictions. But because we know Jesus, we do so not with some sense of moral superiority looking down on those other people, but with humility. What if if every argument or debate or conversation that you got into with somebody about religion or race or culture, I don't know, politics, something crazy like that. If you were just in those conversations and every time you were about ready to type something or post something on somebody's timeline or contribute to a conversation or lash out, I want to challenge you every time you're in that moment, what if you just pictured yourself with those, that group of people that you love to hate or that person that you just... I'm not just talking politically. I'm talking about people that are different than you. And you and you picture yourself, you and all those people, you just come right over here to the foot of an old Roman cross. And remind yourself that we are all sinners in need of grace. That we are all sinners in need of a Savior and we operate from a sense of humility and love where the ultimate goal isn't to beat the other person down and win the argument and be right, the ultimate goal. It's it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. Opinions and posts don't change people's hearts. Jesus does. Prayer does. Make your voice known. Stand up for what you believe in. But maybe just a simple challenge, and I hesitate even saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. What if we took half the time that we do arguing and making posts and sharing things and took half that time and started praying for those people that you disagree with the most? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's prayer, it's Jesus that transforms human hearts, not arguments and debates. Stand up for what you believe in. Hold tight to your convictions. Go to God's word and his heart on this. But don't forget what changes people's lives. And so we can't do our mission and be at odds with people. We can't do our our mission and stay in a holy huddle. We can't be a church after God's own heart and only hang out with people that are like us because so many of us have an us and a them. Who are are those people for you? (laughs) Who are the thems in your life? Not just politically. Who are the people that live in the different part of town? Who are people that you've just grown to have certain assumptions and beliefs about? And it's easy to forget they're God's kids too, which is so hard to forget that is there a person in in your group of people that's your them? The group of people that's so different than you that you've unfortunately become more proof that we fear what we don't understand. We fear the people that we don't understand. And so what's the answer to that? Lashing out? If you don't understand someone, what do you do? You get to know them. 
you build a relationship with them. I came across this video the other day. It's a commercial for uh, a YouTube station that I'm on a lot. It's Denmark TV. Don't ask me how I find this stuff. <laughs> but I saw this, and I edited it a, a, a little bit, but it just... I, it is brilliant, and I think it gets exactly to the way that we put people in boxes and who are the us and the thems in your life. Open up your heart a little bit, and maybe it's just us. It's easy to put people in boxes. There's us, and there's them. The high earners, and those just getting by. Those we trust and those we try to avoid. There's the new Danes, and those who've always been here. The people from the countryside, and those who've never seen a cow. There are those we share something with, and those we don't share anything with. Welcome. Det kommer til at stille jer nogle spørgsmål i dag. Nogle af dem kan godt være lidt personlige, men jeg håber, I vil svare ærligt på dem. Hvem herinde i rummet var klassens klog? Hvem er bonusforældre? Suddenly, there's us, we who believe in life after death, and all of us who love to dance. We who've been bullied. And we who've bullied others. We who are madly in love. feel lonely. And then there's all of us who just love Denmark. So maybe there's more that brings us together than we think. TV2 Denmark. All that we share. Leave it up to the Danes, right? Maybe... <laughs> There's more that brings us together than we think. Beautiful, not in just our uniformity, but in our diversity. And whoever the them person has been for you, those who live in a different neighborhood or dress a certain way or vote a certain way or worship a certain way, I think what the video captures so powerfully is that I've discovered it's so easy to be judgmental until you actually look the target of your judgment in the eye and you realize that they have a name that they have a story that they're lonely too. That they've been hurt deeply as well. And you realize, wait a minute, they're not the enemy. One of the enemy's greatest tactics, like we have an enemy as the devil, and he loves to convince us that he's not the enemy, that other people are the enemy. And one of his greatest tactics is he would love to keep us a distance from people so that we fear them. And God just comes and says, they're my kids too, who I deeply love. Instead, who is God calling you to be the church for? So I was thinking, we, we got to do this. We can't just talk about it. And if we're going to reach out to people that are completely like us outside these walls, well, certainly we need some practice, don't we, inside these walls. I want you to take 30 seconds, 30 seconds, okay? It's not going to be that hard. Introverts, you will survive. We did it last night. No introvert died in this process, okay? I want you to stand up, and I want you to find somebody in this room that is, hold on, I know you're excited. <laughs> Completely different from you. Somebody doesn't look like you, somebody from a different generation than you, somebody that has more facial hair than you, ladies. Uh, somebody, I'm just kidding. Somebody that... Um, Somebody that dress as a different style than you or maybe has no style, that'd be me. Uh, somebody completely different from you. 
Go find them, look them in the eyes, learn their name, and say, I am so glad that you're here. It's good to be the church. Can you do that? Take 30 seconds. Stand on up. No, we're doing this. Absolutely. Go for it. Be the church. Find somebody you don't know. All right. Stop being so chatty. My word. Stop being so relational with each other. Go, find your seat. Go ahead and go back to your seat. Wow. Wow. Hugs. Handshaking, crying, hugs in a Lutheran church. Wow. A lot of joy. A lot of joy. There, there's, a, there's something that brings us together. Hugs, smiles, laughter, breaking out. There's a lot of joy in the room right now. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? That's why we don't do church alone. Amen? You can't do that online. You can't download that. Okay? That's why we're better together. That was so good. That was so powerful, so meaningful for some of you. It was good for me because I found my buddy Luis. Everybody say hi, Luis. Hi, Luis. So the next time we do that, who knows if you'll get drug up on stage, right? So I, I brought Luis up here. Uh, we're better together. Who's God calling you to be the church for? If we're going to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, it's probably going to be with a lot of people that are different than us. Right? And it's beautiful. And it's what we're called to do. It's one thing for me to tell you how important it is to reach out to people that are different. It's another thing to hear it for yourself. So I'm just going to, I invited Luis. Luis has been a part of our staff here for a couple years, two years now, uh, as our multicultural coordinator here at Hope and spends a lot of his time downtown here at Hope Des Moines. And I, Luis has quite a story. It, it's, it's been a journey to get to where we are right now. And so I asked Luis just to share a little bit of his story of how certain people along the path of his life came and were the did exactly what we just did right there in a very real, intentional way. We have the opportunity to do that every day. And that's why Luis, in large part, is here today. So Luis, take it from there and just share a little bit of Thank the you. power of people being the church for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to share a little bit about my story and what I can in about five, six minutes. And what I hope to communicate is uh, how at one point in my life, when I was 19, I felt unloved, unwelcome, rejected, and how after that I felt God um, reached down and touched my life through the church, just people like yourselves. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to uh, focus on when I was about 19, and I lived in Harlington, Texas, in the valley. And if you don't know, if you haven't been to Texas or the valley, the houses are in stilts because there's a lot of floods. They don't have basements. So picture myself um, at 19 in my first apartment, and I lived between two railroad tracks. So at night, when there was railroad uh, trains passing by, I would be like shaking in my bed, and I remember um, there was a hole in my, in my shower, and there was grass coming out, and I didn't put gas yet, because 19-year-olds don't think about gas. And uh, I, had, I remember being able to see my air, my breath in the winter when I take a shower. So I'm, I'm not going to tell you all these stories to feel bad about me, but just kind of to get a sense of what happened. So I was sitting there in, in that chair, in that, in that desk, and just thinking about all the things. I had like a little um, um, feel bad about yourself moments, a pity party. <laughs> and I was there by myself. So these are some of the things that came to mind. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to show you a picture of my family. This is, this is uh, a village that I lived uh, in the summers and the weekends. And the name of that, that's a backyard. And the name of that town, or I can't call it a town. There's no paved roads, no electricity. Um, that's Esperanza. In, in English, it means, Esperanza means hope. So I thought it was pretty cool that that's where I spent a lot of my time. And that's my uncle and my, my siblings on, on your right. Are you, the, are you the cute one in front? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm the, you yeah. can't tell, but I'm, I'm a little darker than the rest of my siblings. <laughs> so the reason I show this picture is because, and you can go to the next one. Now, if you're in my family, you can't be in my family unless you just have a stash. So some of you guys <laughs> could, uh, you could join us. Uh, this is another picture of just my family growing, uh, getting a little older. So the reason I'm showing you this is because my I'm, I'm the darkest in my family, or one of the darkest. And I remember sitting in that, in that chair and um, thinking to myself, uh, why did my parents give me up to my grandmother when I was a month old? 
because I didn't grow up with my parents. I had to live with my, with my grandmother. They were involved in political stuff that they couldn't raise me. So, so uh, at 19, after my father had kicked me out of the house, him and my stepmother, um, I started feeling, they, they, gave me away, they gave me up when I was a month old, and at 17, my dad kicked me out of the house. And it was one of those moments where, uh, one of those times in my life that I, I had lived in Mexico with my grandmother, and I had 11 uncles and aunts and cousins and all that kind of stuff. So I was the youngest, always outside playing soccer, didn't have a care in the world. And then I moved up with my dad and my stepmother, and I was the one doing the dishes, cutting the yard, doing all that kind of stuff. So I felt like a radical change in my life. And I remember wanting to go to the Y. My, my neighbors would invite me, let's go to the Y and play basketball. And I would ask my parent, my dad, and they would be like, no, you have to do this, that, and that. And I'm like, I can just do it tomorrow. But it was just, I really hated my father. The only thing that I remember learning from my dad was uh, shooting guns, smoking weed, sorry kids, smoking weed, and doing all, all the things that a, a dad shouldn't, shouldn't teach their children. And I remember even times that I would open up the refrigerator and there would just only be beer to drink, there was no milk. And that really, another, a lot of other things made me hate my dad. So that's kind of like the background where I, the kind of family that I, that I was, that I grew up with when I felt rejected, being by myself in this apartment in Harlingen, Texas. Um, and then I started praying and asking God for help. And that's when God really started stepping into my life through this church. So I remember one of those times when I was sitting in that apartment and um, uh, I, I worked at Dairy Queen. And uh, I remember that I, I, I didn't have enough money to buy groceries for the next week or two. And I remember there was a, a couple of times that I woke up in the morning and there was groceries outside of my house. And I didn't tell this to anybody. It was just between God and I. And that's what, what, what his church did, what his people did, what our, our church did. So another time in my life later on, a couple of years later, you can go to, go to the next one. Uh, that's that's where, where my, the end of the rare arrow is where I grew up, Gomez Palacio, Durango. But I lived in different places because my parents were divorced. So you can go to the next one. This picture I was going to show you real quick. My mom used to live across the border. I lived in the United States. She lived in Mexico, but I couldn't get across because I don't have the right documents. And one time she came and took us to Walmart to, to buy stuff. And I stole this actual toy. I found it online. And I stuck it behind my pants because my dad wouldn't buy me toys. So when I went to Walmart, I had, a, I had a, the five-finger discount that my dad taught me about to steal stuff. He actually did. And that time I got caught by the cops. The and, things you learn at church. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I got caught. And I think after that, my mom was ashamed to visit me. So after that, I didn't see her that, that much. You can go to the next one. So this is the guy that, that told me about Jesus, Coach Peña. You, you can go to the next one, too. So, mm -hmm. what, so when I was, I went back to Mexico to work for a church. And I remember when I was sitting there uh, at church just thinking about life, I started praying, God, send me to a, a, to a colder place. <laughs> be, more, be more specific when you pray. Because <laughs> I, I lived in the border, and if people had lived in the border, um, it's a hot we had hit our record highs of 100, 100 degrees or hotter, and I lived in the second floor in air conditioning, so it was really hot. So that's why I prayed, God, send me to a colder place. Next time, I'm going to say, send me to Hawaii or yeah. something. <laughs> no, I love it here. I love Iowa. I love it. So what happened is after, and I can tell you all the prayers, but they went down there on the mission trip, and I met them, and I was just... They just asked me what I was praying for, and one of, them, one of those things was to go to college. I did not want to go to college, but my mentor had, uh, had encouraged me to go to college. So I said, all right, God, you're going to have to do a miracle. I have no, I have no money. I barely got through high school. Uh, I don't want to go to college. So this family actually, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, who, which one I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm the one in the front. That was our first uh, Christmas um, picture that we took. And that's me in Iowa. So that's, that's a little bit of, of my story where I was at, lost, rejected, felt alone. And, and, a couple of, and I can share a bunch of other stories how God came into my life through his church and uh, loved me. So what I want to share tonight is, tonight, that was last night, yeah. today, this morning, mm -hmm. is that there's people in this room. There's people in our neighborhoods. There's people in our city. 
that just need a little love from us. Just a little love. And that's how, uh, sorry. You're right. That's how we can make a difference in, in, um, in the life of others. So that's pretty yeah. much what I want to share. Yeah. Let's thank Luis for his story. Absolutely. Somewhere along the way, somebody was church for you. Even though you were different and you maybe didn't deserve the invitation or the love or the grace, when you were the one that was on the outside looking in. And we praise God for stories like Luis's, but it's no secret we've got a long ways to go. We've got a lot of healing to do in our city, and we've got a lot of harmonizing to do right here in Des Moines. And I j if the church doesn't lead the way, I don't know who will. This is who we are. This is what we do. And we're not perfect, but we're taking some steps. And so I'm going to have Luis just walk through just a few of the things that we're doing right now and the things that are coming up that we would love. Sometimes when we put things up on the screen and say you should be involved with this, I know some of you go, oh yeah, that's for those people that get really passionate about this. We're the church. This is what we do. This isn't a project that we do. These are people that we love. So this is who we are as a church. We are a multicultural church. It's not a project that we're going to do, and it's going to be the flavor of the month, and the next month it's going to be something else. This is who we are and what we do. So I'm going to have Luis just kind of walk through a few of the ways that you can get plugged in right before, now. Before I say that, one last thing I wanted to, to mention is that uh, there's a lot of people that I know that are, don't go to church, that are tired mm -hmm. of the church, and they feel like the church is just a bunch of yeah. um, people that, that say things but act differently. That's not, I don't want to say that as a... As a guilt trip. I'm just sharing my heart and saying um, they're the ones a lot of times that are the ones that speaking out the most for, for other people, especially nowadays. And I don't know where you're at with all that stuff about refugees or not, but this is a, a, a clear way of how we can impact uh, the people around the world that are coming into this city. And they live really close to us. So these are just some of the things that, that we're starting to be more focused on, on helping out. And there's different times of the day, different times, different days of the week. So it's, it's really where what's your availability and, and what do you want to do and what kind of age group. Um, so these are some of the things that we're doing. This Wednesday, we, we have a class that if you have seen anybody take, taken Alpha before? So have you taken Alpha? Have you taken Core? So it's kind of those classes that hope that we that we hope everybody takes that are that are kind of like the building blocks of of who we are. Serve is kind of like the next class to get a better understanding of how we can impact the city and who is in the city. And that's going to be a five week class starting this Wednesday. And John, actually, discount price four weeks. Oh, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to come the fifth. There you go. You got four weeks. And then um, uh, the the one church gathering. We've been having those in the last three or four months where we go to Elam Church and hopefully we're going to host one here where we just have a dialogue of what is happening in our city and some of the things that people go through. So we've been focusing on African-American um, issues in the past and somebody talks about that. And this um, upcoming one, uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the Latino um, life, what's it like to be in Iowa, uh, being from different countries and speaking a different language. So you guys are all welcome to be part of the conversation. Uh, with kids on Thursday nights. If you haven't been here, we have uh, 20, 30 kids from Oak Ridge, really close by here from all over the world. They come into this room, and that's we love them, we talk to them, and yes, sometimes it's hard. It's difficult because they're from a different culture. They may have different parental guidance. They have, there's a lot, of, a lot of, it's not easy, it's not clean. It's when people loved me, I was not a, I was an angry kid, and uh, people still love me. So that, those are just some of the things. Uh, mm -hmm. The next one is the multicultural. We're trying to build a team. Uh, last night, we had an immigration workshop uh, just to kind of get us more uh, informed about some of the issues that, that, are, that are impacting the city. So we're going to have more. The next one's going to be March 4th for specifically on refugees. So we're just building a team that we can, that through the, mainly in the summer, we're going to be able to help and serve in a lot of these uh, uh, events that are happening around us. 
So like one of them is the soccer league that I'm helping out with for, for Latino children. And there's also a, a refugee day that we're going to be serving at. And the last one is the high school mentoring. Um, the, the, East high, the high schools are, are, are in need of more mentors, life coaches, uh, people that don't have it all together. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm there uh, helping some kids. Uh, getting to know them and encouraging them. And if I can do it, anybody who knows Jesus, you guys can impact other people's lives. So it doesn't have to be at East, school, at East High School. It can be in other places, but that's where they've been inviting us and really welcoming us and very, very flexible. They even take out kids from classes to, to, uh, to, to gather in the groups. So that's basically some of the things that we're doing and awesome. to impact the city. Hey, I just want to say, uh, Mr. Luis, Yes. I am Mr. so John. glad that you're on our team. Thank you. I'm glad that you're in our I team. I am so glad you're on our team. Thank you for being here. I can't wait for more stories like Luis. So the question is, who are you going to be the church for this week? And I would just encourage you to take a step. Take some of these steps with us, and let's be a church that's the thermostat for the culture rather than the thermometer, right? Let's set the tone rather than responding to it. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's stand and pray together. So Jesus, we thank you that you are a God that loves your kids, that you're just crazy about us, that you're a God that doesn't make mistakes, that you're a God that doesn't make junk, that every single one of us is created in your image and is worthy of value and, and, and dignity and respect. God, we thank you that you have created this beautiful thing called harmony that we can experience not because we all try to be the same, but in our differences, God, you unite us and you bring us together and you make something beautiful. So God, I, I praise you and I thank you for what you're doing in this community and in, in this church, and we know we have a long ways to go, but we follow you and we take one step at a time in, in being obedient to your call and to your word. And I pray that we would be known as the church that loves be known as the church that changes people's lives because you're here, because your presence is here. We thank you for Luis, for his story, and we pray for more and more stories, for people just like him that were out there at one point that you're calling us to reach out to, God. So help us to take a step this week and share your love with the world around us. All these things we pray in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. 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 God bless you. Come on up for prayer if you need it. Go get plugged in. Go get connected. We'll see you next week.